What is going on, everybody? Welcome back to another edition of the Greg Campy Show, brought to you by the Evans Law Group. He is a coach, Greg Campy. My name is Neil Rule, the voice of the Golden Grizzlies. Happy you are with us. As always, remember, you can get involved with the show. Send us a tweet with the hashtag AskCampy. We'll get to those coming up uh, about 35 minutes or so. We'll start knocking those down. we got a big list of those to get to here tonight. People got a lot of questions, Camp, and I'll, I'd ask you how you are, but I know how you are. I've been talking to you all weekend. You're good, man. Yeah, it was a great weekend for us. Uh, really, as we talked about post game and and Grizz Vision and all that kind of stuff, very very pleased. We had we really challenged our guys to put themselves in a position where they can make some noise, and they did that. And now we get the first place team at home two nights, and uh, you know we can all but put ourselves in position to to uh, get in the top four. Or we could play our way out of it now, but we've got the opportunity. So uh, I'm really excited about the coming weekend and what we did this past weekend. Yeah, a big pair of road wins for you guys in Fort Wayne. And really, Camp, the thing that jumped out to me is, is something that you and I talked about in the post game. Uh, both those games were very similar uh, in that you guys got out to the lead and you held it the entire time. And, you know, it was, as I like to call it, it was a closer's win. I mean, you guys went in there. There was little doubt at the end. You did what you had to do to win the basketball games. And it was, I thought, two of your more rock-solid performances. Well, you know, if you go back just three weeks before that to Green Bay and uh, similar situations, and we, we couldn't close it on the road. An experienced young team that couldn't close on the road. We closed a couple games at home. Uh, the Detroit game we won was... The last five minutes was almost a disaster, but we found a way to win it, which I think really helped us. And then we'd go on the road where, you know, we've got to learn how to win on the road and learn how to close on the road. And we did. And we did it against a, a scary team. You know, I'm, I'm not going to say I think they're a good team. I'm not going to say they're a top two or three or four team in this league because I think when it's all said and done, they won't be in that position. But I think they're a team that's capable of beating anybody. They went to Milwaukee and won twice. Nobody else will probably do that. I hope we do. But odds of that happening probably aren't great. Um, but they did it. And they're a team that can get it going and score in buckets. And, and really, you know, they shoot the ball unbelievable. Uh, have some weaknesses in the post uh, in that. And we, we exploited those weaknesses, which is good. And uh, we were able to take everything they threw at us when they tried to come back, especially the second night. The first night was way more solid than the second night. I don't really think, you know, once we got it to 12 or 14, the, sec the first night we kept it there. The second night they got it all the way down to three and they had three possessions with it at three and, and they actually turned the ball over. Um, I'd like to credit our defense for that, but two of the three turnovers were you know, they just threw it away and, you know, but it was good to see somebody else do that, not us. <laughs> right. And uh, then us take advantage of it. Trey Townsend made a huge three in that game and uh, opened it back up to double digits. And, and then I think we hung on making, well, no, it didn't get to double digits. We hung on making free throws. We, you know, we made all our free throws, three straight one and ones by three different players, which I thought was really huge. Uh, it's, I think it started with, um, uh, Rashad Williams and then more and then 
Kangu, I think the three of all three of them made one and ones when they were trying to follow us to get back in the game. And if we had just made one of those three one and ones in the UIC game, we would have won that game, you know. So just the growth and maturity and learning how to do it and understanding that you learn from your mistakes, you're going to get another chance and be prepared on the next time to, to make them. And we did that. And speaking of road wins, well, that's foreshadowing camp, I guess you would say. We're going to talk a little bit about that um, coming up in, in the next segment of the show. But you, you brought up Trey Townsend, and the news dropped from the league. He was the Horizon League freshman of the week. I mean, he was he, he was fabulous this weekend. I mean, he, he was absolutely fabulous. And, and one of the big moments, and, and for those that if, – if you missed it on TV or if you missed it listening to the radio broadcast, because I did bring it up right when it happened, and – you know, the I guess the only benefit, one of the few benefits of, of there not being fans at the games, I can kind of hear what you, how you're interacting with the players as the, as the game is going on. And you directed Trey. You said, Trey, come over here to the swing and stand here. And when they pass you the ball, if they don't guard you, shoot it, and you're going to make it. And he walked over to that spot. Jalen threw him the basketball. They didn't guard him. He shot it, and he made it. Yeah, I, I look pretty smart on that one. I could name about five other ones that I didn't look too smart on. But, uh, you know, what what was happening is we get a lot of uh, Jalen Moore in the ball screen with Oladapo for easy baskets. So what Fort Wayne's plan was, they took Trey's man and put him right at the front of the rim and dared Trey to, to make plays. And that three that he made on the first night, I think had a lot to do with him getting 19 the next day because one, he saw that I wanted him to make plays, you know, I think freshmen and and in all honesty, I think one of the huge reasons that we were able to close those games out and we didn't close them out in green Bay or other road games, UIC is because our freshmen are no longer playing scared in the, in the big moments. And when I say scared, I don't mean they're afraid of it. I mean, they they think that Jalen's supposed to do it. They think that Rashad's supposed to do it, that Oladapo's supposed to do it, that, you know, Kangu or a veteran's supposed to do it. And they don't understand that, you know, they're out there. They need to, you know, play the best they can and not acquiesce to anybody. And I think they're learning that, and I think that play that you just described might have the light might have gone on for Trey that you know he wants me taking this shot, he wants me to score uh, the basketball, and not just be you know the garbage guy that you know to pick up a basket here and there because you know whatever. And he aggressively came out on Saturday and played. A outstanding. I mean, we we put him in for player of the week, not just as a freshman, but for overall play of the week. That's how well he played. Um, but I do think that moment you're talking about was a big moment in his development as a player. And it has nothing to do with me. It has everything to do with him and understanding his importance to the team and going and playing, and Micah the same way. Micah made two outstanding plays late in that game. It was a two, three-point game, and we ran a set play, and they didn't. They they backed way off Micah, and he ripped and went to the rim and made a tough and one. I think he missed a free throw, but 
you know, he, he just went to the rim. He didn't hesitate. And I don't think a month ago, three weeks ago, he would have done that. And so they're, as they grow, our team's going to be a lot better. Uh, not just because they're both outstanding players as freshmen, but as they get to understand their importance, uh, I think we'll be a much better basketball team. Uh, Micah Parrish, too. I mean, Camp, I, I really I, – I don't, I don't know that it comes across – I don't think it comes across in the stat sheet just how important Micah Parrish is to this basketball team. If you watch this team – if you if you watch them on television, uh, I I have you know I have a great view every single game. You see what Micah Parrish does certainly from a defensive standpoint at the top of the zone. When when you guys are are defending well, Micah Parrish is causing havoc at, at the top of that zone, and you can you can see it, Camp. And you and I talked about this. That that Fort Wayne team can score points. They're one of the best shooting teams in the country. I think they were number five in the nation in three point shooting. And I, I told this to you in one of our post games. They never looked comfortable outside of maybe a minute stretch here or a two minute stretch there. They never looked comfortable running their offense. Yeah, and, and to be honest with you, Neil, I don't think people watching TV can see that. Right, that, that's really not that you can't see the fear in a player's eyes. Right. You can't see the the, the frustration, the hesitation, the the you know. One of, one of the coaches in our league after we played them called me on the phone and, and he, he goes, you know, you, the, the most important player on your team is Micah Parrish. And I go, well, I'm not sure I would say that. <laughs> and he goes, what he does defensively for you, nobody else in the league can do. And I don't think fans watching on TV can see that. You know, I, I think getting to the game, being at the game, being in multiple games and seeing the, the amount of passes he gets his hands on, the amount of bad passes that are thrown when he's around the ball, I think that uh, would go to what you're saying. And, I, and it, you know, next year when our fans are back in the stands, I think they're going to see what we're talking about right now. You know, I don't think anybody's watching a game on TV going, wow, why, why are they running their offense beyond the 30 foot, you know, the 27 foot line, why are they out 32 feet from the basket trying to run their offense? And yet when Mike is not in the game, they're at the 22 foot line, you know, the three point line running their offense. I mean, he's just a difference maker defensively and he's why that zone's so good. And honestly, that zone's been really, really good, really good for us. We, We stumbled into playing it. And as we said last week, you may not see that thing go away, at least while Mike is in our program, because that really, he is really good out there. What's that internal struggle like in, inside the mind of Greg Campy with that, with that whole zone? You know, I, I, you, you've been quoted many, many times. I'll say it this way. You're not a proponent of the zone, but uh, that tune certainly changed now. Huh? I am a proponent of winning. And <laughs> I think that for this team, if we're going to win games, that's the defense we need to be in. Um, I do want to get a man-to-man in, you know, next year, put back in and get one in, and I want to become proficient at it so that we have both. But for this team and this moment, uh, this is the way we can win, and, and I'm, I'm really pleased with it. Uh, we're learning to rebound a little bit better in it. Uh, we're seeing different teams do different things against it, so we're – we're uh, becoming uh, better at 
seeing something we haven't seen before. You know, we're, we're just getting really good at it, you know, and it still comes down for us winning now. It comes down to us playing offense. It, it All this analytical data shows that when we play offense, we win. And when we don't play offense, we lose. And when we don't play offense, our defense really suffers because we're given runouts and, you know, bad pass turnovers, touch, you know, pick sixes and things like that. And that's what gets our defense in trouble. When our defense can just play in the half court, the only team that really hurt us, really hurt us in this league was Wright State. The first night we played Wright State and we fixed that the next day and came back and had one of our best defensive games of the year and, and beat them by 10 after losing by 40. So, you know, I hope that was a one-off. Maybe we'll see Wright State again somewhere and we'll find out. Camp, that's a pretty good segue because I did want to talk about this, uh, you know, as we wrap this discussion up. You mentioned in, in the postgame on, on Saturday, as far as Jalen Moore goes, you know, you said it, it, wasn't, it wasn't his best performance, I, I, I guess you would say, in that – it, it really speaks to me what type of player he is where, you know, we, we, we talk about Jalen and, you know, 22 points and four assists. And, and I know it's, it's, it's way past the points and, and the assist numbers and all that type of stuff. I mean, I think he would be the first one to tell you that certainly was not his A game, but you guys still offensively averaged over 80 points per game over the weekend. I think 81 and a half points per game over the weekend. Is, is that something where, that speaks to how far you guys have come offensively as well, where you don't need Jalen's A game and you'll still get in the 80s. Well, no, because honestly, Neil, the reason we got in the 80s is because we had a four-point lead and they had to foul us to, to catch us. And we probably scored in the last two, two and a half minutes, we probably scored 10, 12 points. Mm -hmm. And if that game had been – even or, you know, a one, one possession game where they didn't have to go to following, uh, the game probably would have ended 73 to 65 or something like that. Cause I, I thought we really did struggle on offense. And, right. I mean, Jalen got 22 points, but he made probably eight free throws in the last two minutes. Yeah. Um, which really, which really did that. Now I was not pleased with our offense on, on Saturday and we won and, I I think it's going to be hard for us to be good on offense on a day that Jalen's off. And and I'm not talking about shooting the ball. I just thought his decision-making was bad. His body language was bad. I, I don't know what was going on, but every kid has games like that. Every kid I've ever coached, Kendrick Nunn to Kay Felder to Keith Benson to Raul Marshall, and those are four NBA players I just talked about. And they all had games like that. So it's – it just was one of those nights, and the sign of a good team is when you have one of those nights, you end and win. Um, so, you know, I'm not saying we're a good team yet, but we're on our way to becoming one. And speaking of good teams, we're going to talk about that when we come back. The Horizon League Men's Basketball Championship seeding is out, uh, so those numbers are established. On the other side of this break, we'll update everybody as to where that stands. We'll get Coach Campy's thoughts on, on this whole system as well the ask campy tweets fire off a tweet if something pops in your head right now with the hashtag ask campy we'll get to those coming up after 7 30 we'll look ahead to cleveland state as well a lot to get to here on the greg campy show brought to you by the evans law group 
Back to the Greg Campy Show, brought to you by the Evans Law Group. Special guest appearance by Rookie as well. Coach Campy at his place. Uh, I'm at my house. Now, usually, as you know, we'd be at RJ's Pub in Rochester Hills, but circumstances not permitting that right now. Uh, so if you're in that area, you want to swing by, get some carryout, stop in, see the guys there as well. Russ and crew, uh, good friends of the show, good friends of, of Oakland, and good good friends of the program for sure. So if you can support them, please do that with RJ's Pub. But Coach, uh, the news dropped this week. The Horizon League Men's Basketball Championship seeding was released. And for those who do not know, uh, they use a formula as opposed to the standings that you see if you look up Horizon League standings or whatever on the internet, on ESPN.com, wherever you get your news from. Uh, as it sits right now, Cleveland State is one, Wright State is two, the Golden Grizzlies are three, Milwaukee is four, Northern Kentucky five, Green Bay six, Purdue, Fort Wayne, Youngstown, Detroit Mercy, UIC, IUPUI, and Robert Morris down at the bottom. And, and Camp, the best way that I kind of understand this and, and you tell me if I'm wrong or if I'm way off base or if I'm crazy, which you will. I know you will. Um, I kind of look at this as the old older RPI system before the net rankings came out, where road wins are you know road wins are very very valuable, and they have a little a little bit of a change up in it where you get a reward for playing more games. The, the more games that you play, it benefits you. The teams that play, you know, a lesser amount of games, that hurts them. I mean, am I am I close? Am I way off base? Am I crazy? What do you think? No, I mean, I've got a long answer to this. Um, you're not off, way off base, but people have to understand this is a, a moving target, and and the league really wouldn't want to put this out right now because it's very, it's very uh, deceiving. At this juncture, we still have six games left, um, you know, so there's going to be a lot of change and a lot of movement in this. And uh, how we got to this is so as we're, you know, there was a lot of time and effort put by the league and by the coaches and, and everything and the, the COVID season and what could happen and being prepared for everything. So there's a lot of talk about, okay, what are we going to do if games are canceled and you don't have an even season? We already have this, these inequities of, you know, like Youngstown State, all right? And their fans probably are upset because they're 4-10. and 10 And Youngstown State really got a raw deal in the schedule. They started with, with eight of their first 10, I think, on the road. And they had to play all the time. They had to go to North. Northern Kentucky, uh, Cleveland State, Wright State, Oakland, you know, teams that are all at the top of the league and and have to play two games against them where, you know, during the regular season, if you can beat them at home and lose on the road in a normal situation, you've done a good job. And if you can win them both, you've done a great job, and that's how you win a championship. So we knew there were inequities. Then when you factor in that somebody might not play, we already know that we're all not going to play one team. That was already preset. Every team had one team they weren't playing. Detroit wasn't playing Northern Kentucky. Oakland wasn't playing IUPUI. And I don't, you know, who knows the rest of them. Now you factor in that this weekend is canceled and you're not going to play that team. And then there's two teams here. And so the discussion became, and as fans look at this and can't understand that I ask you this question, 
You tell me who's the better team, team that's 18 and two or a team that's 12 and 0. Who's the better team? Who should be seated number one? Team that's 18 and two or team that's 12 and 0? Because that could have happened. In the girls' side right now, there's a team six and 0. Everybody else played 14 games. They've only played six. There's a 12 and 2 team there, and there's a team six and 0. Who's a better team? If you just say you go by the the percentage points, the six and old team is. We as coaches didn't want that, so we put a plan together. And Dennis Gates, the coach at Cleveland State, came up with the idea. And on the Zoom call, when he came up with the idea, I started laughing. Dennis, what the hell are you talking about? <laughs> and the more I thought about his idea, by the time that our Zoom call was over, I was champion, champion in his cause. And this was that we put a selection committee together. And we have a selection committee as the NSA tournament seeds the NSA tournament. We have a selection committee select our tournament seeds. And, you know, we talked about, well, who would be on it? And uh, LaCrone, our commissioner, was going off at Christmas. He's no longer our commissioner anymore. So he was the perfect guy to, to head it because he would have no, no bone in the game or whatever that is, you know, whatever that saying is. Skin in the game, I, that's, I know it's not that, and I know it's not even close to that, but it's something like that, okay? Um, so skin in the game, I guess it is, or something. Skin in the game. But, yeah, so yeah. we thought LaCrone, we thought LaCrone would be the perfect guy to be the head of the selection committee. And then we would have him choose people uh, to, you know, like ex-coaches, you know, like a guy like Steve Hawkins, who's uh, doing commentary on games, and he's that old Western Michigan coach, you know, just retired a year ago, and he's out there, and not now nobody in the, that's got an affiliation with any team in the league, but just fine coaches, and you know they would love to do it, watch our games, and at the end of the year make it the decision. So we voted on that as coaches and that's what we came up with. And it, it, we thought it was a hell of an idea. We sent that on up the line to the, the general counsel or whatever it's called the executive council. I think it's called in the league. And that's made up of athletic directors and administrators and that. And, and they didn't like it. They wanted to go with a mathematical formula, which, okay. You know, I, I was against the mathematical formula because who knew what was going to happen. Right. And, but that's what the powers that be to be wanted. So we all accepted it and we all know what it is. We know there's nothing, any mathematical formula can be fair, but we came up with, you know, what's important. Well, the first thing that's important, Neil, is that you play games. And it goes back to what I said, who's better 18 and two or 12 and 0. And what if the 12 and 0 is all against the lower level teams? What if the 12 and 0 didn't play Wright State, didn't play Cleveland State, didn't play Oakland, didn't play Milwaukee, the top four seeds right now? How's that fair? Or had all knowing the nothing's going to be knowing nothing's going to be fair, but that seemed really unfair. Yeah. So we came up with this very similar to the RPI, but we we put down what we thought was important: a playing games. That's important. B, winning games. C, winning on the road. What if what if you play 20, uh, of the 20 games, what if you play 14 of them and you get 10 at home and only four on the road? Again, it's going to be skewed. 
So we wanted to put an emphasis on road wins. That broke well for Oakland because we're the only team in the league that's going to play 12 road games. more road games you have, the the stronger it makes. The other thing that's boded well for Oakland is the one team that we weren't supposed to play right now is down at the bottom. So the, the fourth component of this is strength of schedule. Who did you play and what were their records? So every time Wright State wins, we beat Wright State. That helps us because we beat Wright State one. Every time Detroit wins a game, that's going to help us. I want Detroit to win out because that's going to make us better. You know, so if you look at those things, those are what you got to understand. And for all the fans that are upset right now, win. If your team wins four of these last six, five of these last six, you're going to drastically go. Because as we get closer to the end, the percentage of games you've played, let's say I got a text from a a coach today, an ex-coach in our league saying, what the hell is this? And I said, well, don't even pay attention to this right now because like UIC and Detroit have only played 10 games. The percentage of 10 out of 14 is a high percentage. 16 out of 20 is a much lower percentage. So once they get to the 16 out of 20, that missing those four games isn't going to play anywhere near as much. Now, if they miss more games, it's going to hurt them. But as they get to 16 out of 20, it's going to be more in their favor. Win a road game, you know, win road games. That's going to help you. Um, And then, you know, hope the teams that are good to beat you keep winning. Or hope the teams that you beat keep winning. Those are the things you have to do. And and I think what you have to – one of the things the league didn't want to do, Neil, is they didn't want to put this out there because they were afraid of confusion. I personally told our commissioner – that I thought she should put them out there because you didn't want this confusion the week before the tournament. Right. Now everybody's going to be screaming and crying and yelling and what's going on and you're cheating our school and you've got a vendetta, you know, all the things that fans will say and do. We didn't want that. So I think our league was very smart by coming out, putting it out there and saying this is going to change and watch it change. I guarantee you next Monday, it ain't going to look anything like it did this Monday. And you've got the four team playing the five team, two games at the at the fourth place. You've got the three team playing the one team, two games at the three place. You've got uh, UIC playing Wright State at home. UIC is 10th right now. You think if they beat Wright State twice, they're going to be 10th? No, they're going to fly way up there, probably into the top four. So, so much can happen over the next three weeks that this was just here, a test pilot out there. This is what it looked like today. I understand I ain't going to look anything like this on, uh, you know, when the last games played. But so you know, these are what's important. Games played, road wins, strength of schedule, any win. And that's, yeah, that's really, that's really the pecking order. What I like about it, Camp, being on the media side of things, it becomes destination. If you're a Horizon League fan, uh, you seek that information out as soon as it comes. It's all. It is like the college football playoff rankings. Every 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 Tuesday night when those things drop, I mean, you you got your eyes glued to it. I, I think it increases visibility for the league. So I mean, from from all those standpoints, I, I think it's uh, there's a lot of check marks next to it. You accomplish a lot doing it. I, I I'm in lockstep with you. Putting it out now, 
it gives you more time to, to spread the message as far as to what it is and how it works and all that stuff. It, it, it's only positive. Let the pitching begin, man. Go ahead. Bitch, all you want. But the problem, the bottom line is go win. Go win games. So we're third right now. If we lose two to Cleveland State, we ain't going to be third. Right. So, I mean, it's, hey, it's wonderful that we're third, but we aren't third. Yeah. You know, it's going to be something completely different on Monday. Maybe if we split, we'll be still in that third or fourth area. But, you know, two wins, ooh. Two losses, woo, who knows what's going to happen. Yeah, every week is a new week, Camp. There's no question about it. We'll take our next break. When we come back, it's Ask Campy Time on Twitter. Something on your mind? You want to ask Coach? Fire away right now. Just send a tweet. Put the hashtag Ask Campy, and it'll pop up in the feed, and we'll answer it. Uh, everything, everything that has to do with Oakland basketball, anything that has to do with food, anything that has to do with anything, fire away. Hashtag Ask Campy. We'll get to those next. This is the Greg Campy Show brought to you by the Evans Law Group. Back at it here with the Greg Campy Show, brought to you by the Evans Law Group, usually live at RJ's Pub in Rochester Hills. If you can swing by there, support the businesses that support the Golden Grizzlies, certainly we would appreciate that. Some good food up in that piece. Coach Campy always says, try the seasoned fries. And now it's time for the Ask Campy portion of the show. Even if something pops in your mind right now, send us a tweet with the hashtag Ask Campy. We will get to them all. And Coach, let's get this going. we got quite a few to get to here tonight. Uh, Coach Robidoux, I believe that's uh, the pronunciation, says, Coach, can you please talk more about your support of getting high school basketball going? We need all the help that we can get. You've been in the media a little bit uh, as of late talking about that. Give us your piece. I wrote a letter to the governor. I was asked to support it by the NBC, or not the NABC, the uh, BCAM, the Basketball Coaches Association of Michigan. And the more I thought about it, I didn't want to write it for the BCAM. I wanted to write it for the student athletes. And so I tried to write as passionate and heartfelt letter as I could. Many people have seen it. I just don't know if it's doing any good. I know that a lot of coaches are coming out. I'm not a scientist, Neil. I said that in a letter. I'm not a politician. I don't know their ways. I don't know what they're doing. But what I see, and I think all of us in this state see that, these kids need to be playing and they, they can't miss another season. And for the mental health and physical health of these young men and women, they need to be playing. And our politicians and our scientists need to find a way to get them to play safely. And as I said in the letter, I think you have to trust the superintendents and principals and athletic directors and coaches that you employ, that the state employs these people. And you have to trust them that their number one priority is the health and safety of our children. And then they'll make the decisions based on what's going on in their communities and how they can keep kids safe. All our bordering states are playing. All the numbers suggest that I've seen. And you know what? I'm not even going to go there because I'm not a scientist. And and just because I've seen numbers doesn't mean I'm right. So I'm not even going to go that route. I'm just saying they should be playing, and it's it's their duty as elected officials. It's their duty to get these kids playing. It's for the safety and well-being of our children, and that's I'm passionate about it. I'm not pointing fingers. I'm not Republican. I'm not Democratic. I'm not. I don't have a Nobel Peace Prize, 
I don't have anything. I don't think you're and getting I don't want any. I don't want any of that, Neil. You're not I getting one anytime kids. soon, I don't think. <laughs> right. I want our kids to play. I want them to play. I want them to do what they want to do. They don't get this time back. Our our players get the time back. You know, the people get stimulus checks. They they're they're trying to appease everybody. They can't appease these kids. They don't get this time back. This is the best time of their life. These are their wonder years, you know. These are the fundamental growth years. Make it happen safely. Rolling on here with the hashtag Ask Campy. Gary Gilbert, my journalism professor when I graduated from Oakland, says, Coach, can you help me understand the Horizon League men's basketball seating that ranks 4-10 and 10, Youngstown State ahead of 5-5 five and five UDM and 5-5 five and five UIC, which we talked about last segment, so... Yeah, Gary, I think I explained that all in the last segment. If it wasn't Spice, send me an email. You got my email, and I'll send you back one and explain it all to you. All right. Okay. Pittsburgh Marty wants to know. Pittsburgh Marty, good good fan of the show, man. Always always contributing the questions. We certainly do appreciate that. We'll be there not, not too long uh, in the not-too-distant future. Coach, I'm sure you're – Constantly busy as a head coach at a mid-major program in Division One, and you have many long 15- to 18-hour days. Walk me through what a typical day looks like for you from the time you get up in the morning to the time you go to bed at night. And as I can say, if you go to bed at night, Cam. Well, that's it. You know, the it's a little – it's really different this year, uh, Marty or, and all the other people. It's really different this year because the schedule is so condensed. Um you know, Friday, Saturday, and that's it. And, you know, it, it's so different this year that I've actually had some days off, you know, uh, never before. The only day off I've ever taken in a normal year during once the season starts where I don't do anything with basketball would be Christmas Eve day. Uh, but this year I actually went in the office Christmas Eve day, you know, because we played and we practiced that day because we had a game the 26th, which normally you would never do. Um, but there are other days that I have taken off and, and I personally going to take a couple more because I kind of like that. You know, I, I think it's I think it's good. I think to get away for a day is probably good. And I've never done it before. And, you know, the. In this job, and it's not me, it's everybody that wears this, you know, coat that, that the coach wears the, at a Division One basketball school. But your job is dependent on winning, and, and it's really not your job. It's just the outcome of your job. The truth of the matter is, is your job is to make, in, in the men's game, your job is to take young men and turn, or boys and turn them into young men. That's your job. And it's to do it in all facets of life, not just on the basketball court, socially, academically, you know, that's, that is my job. And winning is the end result of it. And is and the coaches that don't survive are the ones that think only about winning. And so getting away and taking a day is, has been kind of cool and kind of interesting. And, and it's something that I think I'm going to try and do in the future. But the truth of the matter is, is especially on game days and that you don't sleep, you know, you don't sleep. There is no going to bed. There's watching film at four. I, I text back and forth with coaches, my staff at two thirty three in the morning and they're up just like I'm, I don't think they're up thinking they're going to hear a text from me. 
Right. I mean, they're up to, you know, it's, it's our job. It's, there's always more film to watch. There's always something in your gut that's telling you to do something. So, you know, a normal day, we practice in the mornings. Uh, we've Chuck Daly, and we all know who Chuck Daly is, and I'm sure Marty does too, even though he's from Pittsburgh. Chuck Daly, in the old days, the Pistons practiced, and before practice facilities became vogue in that, the Pistons practiced at Oakland University. They played in the Silverdome and then in the Palace. So way back in the day when I first got here 30, 40 years ago, they would come in our building at 10 o'clock every day. And we would practice at 1 and our women would practice at 4. If it was volleyball season, then we would we would go at, at 4 and our women would go at 6 or we would go at 6, you know. So one day I'm talking to Chuck Daly and I say, Coach, you can have any time in this building you want. Why do you choose 10 o'clock? And his comment to me was, I want them first thing. I want them before their wives tell them what to do, before their girlfriends get in their lives, before they, you know, they've got things to do. And they, I don't want, the, I want the basketball to be the first thing that they do. And I kind of like that. That's so you know, probably 25 years ago when they built the practice facilities and then they stopped practicing at our place, we moved our practice time to 10 in the morning. And it's been really good for me. I, I really like that. So we've got to be in early and our kids have got to get up early. And uh, we're done by one o'clock. We're done with the kids. Now, maybe as late as two with lifting and those types of things. And then we can open the gym back up in the evening and they can come in and get shots up and, and things like that. And, and then in recruiting, if you're going someplace, you can get there now. You know, if, if I've got to be somewhere a four-hour ride, I can be at practice, leave at 1 o'clock and still be at the high school game. So it's really been a good thing. And so we've been able to, for 25 years, practice at 10 and it's become commonplace for us. So, you know, I'm pretty much done with the day's events by one o'clock. And then it's all about practice plans and watch watch in the early preseason. We film every possession of practice and then we grade it and we break it down and we, we do all kinds of stuff to it. And then we prep for the next day and the next practice. And at the same time, you've got recruiting going on. And then as a head coach, I have a million things that pull at me that aren't basketball related, that it's my duty to do as a representative of the university. And, and I enjoy that stuff. I, I enjoy talking to reporters or, you know, somebody did something and why did they do it? And they want your opinion. I, I, I enjoy that part of it. It's kind of the funnest part of the whole thing. The rest of the stuff, a lot of times isn't much fun. The scheduling is the worst thing in the world. The recruiting, you know, it ain't the greatest thing recruiting and you know, it's so I don't know if that answered the question or not. A lot of hot air coming out of me, but uh, hopefully that, that was a little bit of what we do. Now coach, you know what? And in, in, as an add on to that, that's something that, that I kind of learned from you by watching you when, when you have the opportunity to do something as kind of an ambassador or as a spokesman role for the, for the university or for the program, you know, it's important to go do that stuff. It is. I, you know, that's something that, that I learned from you. Anytime somebody asks something, you know, you, you should probably say yes and go do it. So, One, one of the things, Neil, that's, that's probably different 
at the mid-major than maybe Izzo runs into or the high-major coaches run into. And, and you saw this a couple weeks ago at Duke with Coach K's snotty comment to a student reporter. Um, one of the things that's different at Oakland is we usually get the early-staged journalist. You know, Charles Robinson who is one of Yahoo's main NFL writer right now. I mean, if you follow Twitter, he's one of the big guys on Twitter, and he's the top Yahoo writer for for uh, NF, the NFL, was the beat reporter at the Oakland Press and did Oakland basketball years when he was first coming out. Mark Snyder, who had a great career at the Free Press, was our beat reporter at the Oakland Press before he went there. Pat Caputo was the beat reporter for Oakland University 35, 40 years ago before he became the radio star and all that stuff he is. I usually get to guys when they're young and just starting. And I believe it's my duty to help them and to never, you know, to never not do what they want, to never not help them, to give them scoops, to to make them feel that they want to be in the business, right. you know, cause you know, so that, that's, that's what I've always done. And, uh, I mean, Pat Caputo's written some really bad things about me before, but when I got sick, he's the first one to call me, you know, um, it's not about trying to manipulate the press. It's just trying to help kids when they're young, learn, learn how to do it. And I understand that I'm going to have things said about me and written about me that, that aren't going to be good. And they're probably true. <laughs> you know, I mean, maybe I should have done a better job, but uh, I think it's my duty. And, and then the other side of that, it's my duty to represent Oakland University the way that the president of this university wants it represented. And I'm sure she doesn't want a pompous jackass uh, running around running the basketball program. So I try and be as humble and as, as do everything I can. Uh, we got more here with the hashtag AskCampy. Brian uh, wanted to know, this was actually from Facebook, reached out on Facebook, wanted this question asked, says, for the upcoming AskCampy, my question is, does Coach actively go after lefties, or is it a coincidence that we always seem to have a lot of lefties? And uh, Hank Gogarty responded to that tweet and said, I've wondered that also. So a couple people wondering about that. You actively go after lefties? I like lefties, yes. Do I, do I not go after a kid because he's right-handed? No, but... Being left-handed, in my opinion, uh, is an advantage in the game. Um, most coaches are right, right-minded. Uh, most players are right-minded, and I think that being, I think when you have a left-handed point guard, especially, that it's a real advantage, and that's because you can run a lot of stuff from the left side of the floor, and most shooters like to come to the ball from the right side to the left. They like to step into their shot with their right foot. And if you, if the ball's coming from left to right, if you can envision a basketball court and the ball's on the left side of the key and a shooter's running to square up and catch a pass from left to right, the inside foot is the one that's going to hit the ground catch, elevate, and shoot. Most right-handed shooters 
like to uh, like to plant the right foot and elevate. Uh, and so that I think in itself is an advantage when you can control the left side of the court. Um, I also think a left-handed jump shot is a lot tougher to defend than a right-handed jump shot. And I have no data on that. That's just a gut feeling. And then the third part of that is we've had a lot of really, I mean, you, you can go all the way back, but, you know, Derek Nelson in 2000 and whatever, 11, putting 38 in from the left side to send us to the NCAA tournament, you know, We've had a lot of really good left-handed players. We had a team where we started five left-handed players. Right. Only team in the uh, country. Yeah. So do I actively do it? Yes. Is it the deciding factor? No. Uh, more with the hashtag Ask Campy. Uh, Matt from the Horizon Roundtable podcast says, with only one senior this year and the pandemic, are you still doing anything to honor Kevin Kangoo for Saturday? Will we see Kevin back for a bonus year next year? We're going to, I don't have any idea what's going to happen in the future, but what I do know about the present is that we're having a virtual senior day for Kevin and we are going to honor him. Um, I really don't want to let out of the bag what we're doing. Uh, So all I would say is tune in. when the game's over, Kevin's going to speak. Uh, we're going to, hopefully, that will be on TV. It just depends on how long the game goes. Um, then we're going to live stream everything that we do for him and post-game and that. We're going to live stream that, and then we're going to put it on our social media platform. So if you can't be there to see it or you can't catch it when it ha- happens, you'll be able to get onto our social media platforms and see it. Uh, Kevin's been a... Just a tremendous young man. Just not not a good young, just tremendous. You, you don't get many like Kevin Kang right. as a person. Um, and that doesn't mean that every kid isn't a good kid. I just He's just, just a little bit special. You know, he's just a little bit different, a little bit special. Um, so I want to do everything I can to honor him. And then who knows what's going to happen in the future, I, I, you know. I don't know who, who who's going to be anywhere after the season ends. You never know. This this is a changing, changing world. So we're just trying to win all we can right now. All right, we got a double barrel uh, Portillo's question here. Uh, at Oakland U fan on Twitter wants to know: uh, Has Coach been invited to the new Portillo's location in Sterling Heights for their grand opening? In my opinion, there's no better spokesman for the company. Uh, and MD Fun eighty nine wants to know, Coach, did you do three Portillo runs while you, while you were in Fort Wayne, and did you order the exact same thing for all three of them? So double barrel Portillo's. Have you been to the Sterling Heights one? Or are I haven't you been there be yet. I would. I mean, it opens March sixteenth. I'm planning in, on getting in line March fourteenth. So <laughs> I, I might be the first one. Um. They should. You're that whoever said that is right. They should. They should. You know, I, I think a little gift card for as much as much publicity as we give uh Portillo's yeah. and as much as we tweet about it and, and you know, things like that. I, you know, I maybe I could wear a, a Chicago style hot dog on my jersey or, or my uh my jacket under or, the OU. Who knows? What what are those hats? Uh, what are those Knight hats? Wore, man? Uh, 
Yeah, yeah. Well, sure, that would look good at during the game. Yeah. Um, Bobby Knight wore a, what's that auto, O'Reilly Auto Parts thing on his sweater when he was finishing his career. So, uh, come on, Portillo's. How about a little gift card? You know. Um, <laughs> as far as this weekend, I did make it multiple times to Portillo's. Um, I will tell you that I got the exact same thing I always get until the last time I was there, they had something I'd never seen before on their menu. And I don't know if it's a Fort Wayne thing or not, but I had never seen, it was a sausage sandwich that had the onion and mushrooms, sauteed onions and mushrooms on it. And it was a huge sandwich. So I got a big beef and uh, <laughs> sausage sandwich my last time. And that was on the way home after we won both games. While the team was eating pizza, I snuck over to the drive-through there and and uh, and tried this sausage sandwich that I had seen when we were there before. And I said I wanted to try it. And basically, what I did is I motivated myself by saying, "If we win two this weekend, I'm going to try that sausage sandwich." And you were going to tell you I will never have it again, though, because it's it's nowhere near as good as the Chicago dog. You know, yeah. my my regular go-to of the of the beef big beef dipped with the Chicago style sausage, Chicago style hot dog, no relish, fries with cheese, and and you know the the chocolate cake milkshake is always a really good thing to add to that. I, I'm you know I'm trying to keep my figure, so I don't go with the milkshake right now. <laughs> uh, I, I appreciate I appreciate that hustle, Cam. There's there's no question about that. Uh, Pittsburgh Marty tweeted back at us and said Chuck Daly's from uh, Puxatawney, Pennsylvania, about seventy miles northeast of Pittsburgh. So uh, that's uh, that's o- that's over in his area. Um, coach, this weekend, well, the- I knew, yeah, I knew that because that's where uh, the groundhog, yep, the groundhog comes every February second. He didn't see his shadow yesterday. I know that for a fact. <laughs> yeah, uh, Coach, final couple minutes here of the program. Cleveland State's coming to town. You know, Horizon League leading Cleveland State. This is what this is what you wanted, right? All those conversations we had, all those games that were played, everything that happened. February, the league leaders coming in. You got a shot to get to where you want to be. You kind of you control your own destiny for it. This is what you want, right? Well, the only there is no league champion this year because of what we've talked about in this show. Unless you're the team that is the number one seed, then you're going to say you were the league champion. Sure. We would do it if we were number one. So Cleveland's got a lot to play for. I mean, they're, they're very close. They probably have to win one or two more games this year, and they're locked into that top four. So, you know, they're, but they have a lot to play for because they were picked maybe fifth or sixth or whatever it was. I don't even remember what they were picked, but it, was, it wasn't in the top two or three. And they got a chance to finish the number one seed. So, you know, they're, this week means the world for them. We got ourselves in a position where it means the world for us, too. So it's going to be a war. They're a very physical team. Dennis Gates has done a tremendous job there in two years. He's got kids that believe in what he's teaching them. He's got kids that will go to war for him. Um, he's got – and now that I've – paid attention to them. You know, I, I watched them, but I didn't really pay attention to them because, you know, it's so late in the season when we were going to play them. Um, now that I've watched them, 
the, the key to their team is their bench because they're pretty much the same team they were last year, and they were a problem last year, but they struggled to win games at the end because Bodine, Bodine or whatever his name is got hurt late in the year, and, and he had a bunch of guys out, and he was playing walk-ons by the end of the year. And they've all gotten better, and then he's added some shooters. And the one thing that they couldn't do last year was shoot the basketball. In the games they made shots, they won. Um, they're the same tough physical defensive team they've been they're going to do a lot of things nobody else does they're going to they're they're going to different types of presses they're going to just out of nowhere they're going to run and jump you they're going to take chances and gamble and a lot of teams panic against it my hope is that Jalen Moore won't panic they're going to try and beat him up but Youngstown tried to beat him up they're going to try and press us Youngstown tried to press us and and they didn't the second night because Jalen was so good the first night so if Jalen can be really good the first night and handle all their pressure and that, and we get easy ones because of it, they may have to change what they do. And I don't know if Dennis will do that. Maybe he'll come back and just keep doing it. And if it works, you know he's going to keep doing it. So there's a lot to be seen this weekend. I'm really anxious to see the games because, you know, I'm not sure anybody expected us to be where we're at. Uh, and the only people that probably did are the – are the 20 people or so that are in our bubble. And now that we're there and playing for something really important, now let's, that next step is to see how we do, you know, we're the same team that was down 53 to 12 at a halftime of our first game. And uh, we just keep plugging and getting better. And I'm anxious, man. I'm really anxious to see how this weekend goes because I don't know if, Cleveland State's the most talented team in the league, but I know right now they're the best team in the league because the record shows that. As I always say, check the resume, Camp. I mean, you go into Wright State, you go into the Nutter Center, and you win. You're a good basketball yep. team. Yeah. Doesn't, doesn't And again, they, they got screwed on the on the uh, the COVID scheduling because they went in there and beat them the first night. They wouldn't have had to come back the next day and play them. Right. In a normal situation. And then, wow, they've got to – I mean, in a regular season situation – Wright State would have had to go to Cleveland State and make that up. They didn't have to. They just turned around the next day in the same 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 with us on a on the other side of that with Wright State. We would have lost the first day. I don't know if we'd have beaten Wright State in another center the second day. And instead of one and one against Wright State, we probably would have been 0-2. And so that's why you just can't sit here this year and say, hey, they're the champion or they're not. You can say that they're the number one seed though. And whether you agree with the seating process or not, it's going to happen and people are going to be seated and, and you got to be prepared for whatever happens because none of that matters when you tip that ball up in the tournament. So this weekend's huge for us. Uh, we can put ourselves in an unbelievable position to get a buy and have a home game if, uh, if we can find a way to win two games this weekend. Friday night, 7 o'clock. If you're listening to this show right now, you know where you can listen to it on the radio. Uh, ESPN Plus for the Friday night game. Saturday, 5 o'clock, same deal, radio, uh, TV 20 here in the Detroit local area. So that's what it is, folks. This is college basketball at its finest. Big games coming down the stretch. Uh, March Madness, man. You flip that calendar one more time, and uh, and we're there. So 
we're ready to go, man. And it's going to be a fun, fun weekend at the arena. Big thank you to everybody for your questions and your tweets and everything. Big thank you to Kevin McCann back in our Real Team Real Estate Studios as well. And a big thanks to everybody for listening. So for the coach, Greg Campy, my name is Neil Rule. We'll talk to you all next week. Same time, same channel. You've been listening to The Greg Campy Show brought to you by the Evans Law Group. Well, see you later.